Well, we are in week five of our series, Life Beyond Existence, and uh, we've kind of taken this journey built on a one simple verse found in John 10.10, 10. and that verse states that the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that Jesus has come so that we may have life, and not any ordinary type of life, but life to the full, life abundantly, life beyond existence. And uh, next week, we kick off a new series, and it's, it's entitled Maxed, uh, Every Second Counts. And what we quickly realized was that this series, Life Beyond Existence, and this new series, Maxed, there, it, Maxed is like a sequel to Life Beyond Existence. Like, you know, Godfather and Godfather Part 2, not Godfather 2 to Godfather Part 3, because everyone knows right, the third Godfather wasn't good, but the first two. Uh, so we won't do a third sequel in this, this series. But uh, Max is all about time. All of us in this room are scrambling for more time. We're all trying to look at our to-do list and go, how am I going to get all of that done with the hours left in my day or week or month. And so we're going to just navigate through, I think, something. I know personally for me, it's a season I'm living in right now where I just cannot get through enough in a day. And uh, every day I start going, I'm going to conquer all of this. And there's just no physical human way I can do that. And so we're just going to look at this time issue and uh, hopefully learn some principles together. And God speaks a lot about time in the Bible. So that kicks off next week. Well, one of the kind of guiding statements throughout this whole series that uh, we've bounced into many times states this, to gain the most out of life, grasp the magnitude of Christ's life. To gain the most out of this one life that we all get to live. This one life that has this very uh, definite beginning and we're not sure when it's going to end. Focus on Jesus Christ. Learn from him. When people come to me and uh, they ask this question, hey, Chris, I want, to, uh, I want to start reading the Bible. Where do I start? And uh, usually I ask the question, well, what have you read? And most people will say, well, I kind of started in Genesis. I'm like, no, don't start there. That's horrible. Because if you actually make it through Genesis and Exodus, and those are two amazing books, I highly recommend them, you quickly get to Leviticus, and that's a horrible place to get to. I'm just telling you. I'm not saying there's not good stuff in it, but you just don't want to get there yet. Down the road. And so I I encourage people. I'm like, start with one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because you get to know Jesus. And I understand in this room today that... Every single person in here today is at a, a different point in their spiritual journey, trying to figure this out. And for some of you, you, you still don't know or don't believe or not sure of this man named Jesus. And what I would encourage you to do, all historians say he lived. The question isn't, did Jesus, the man, live? The question always comes down to, is he God? That's what it comes down to. And so even if you're not sure about Jesus God, I just encourage you, start reading about Jesus. How did he interact with people? What did he say? Who did he choose to spend time with? What made him angry? Just get to know him as a man. And you never know where that journey might take you. If you've been a Christ follower for decades, I would encourage you. If you're sitting there going, man, I just... 
I want to learn more. I want to get deeper. Start jumping into the life of Jesus. Get to know him more. If you do, if you grasp the magnitude of his life, you will gain the most out of this life. So today, we're going to jump into the story uh, that has to do with Jesus and uh, uh, specifically this one man, but there's many people involved to this story. And uh, it's a great story. And it reflects, in so many ways, the heart and the essence and the kind of the ethos of Renaissance Church. And I'm going to share some stuff with you today. And uh, uh, I just want you to know, it'll be a little different today. We'll still look at the Bible, and that's still going to guide everything. But uh, it's it's going to have a different, uh, I don't know, probably our end destination will be a little different than most weeks. And, uh, and so if you're sitting here uh, today for the first time, know that this isn't typical. And uh, if you've been coming for a long time, uh, it probably still is not typical. And, uh, but what I know is how critical this kind of moment for us, Renaissance Church, is. And so I, I just want to uh, pray real quickly, and, um, and we're going to jump into the story. Lord, I just pray. I pray that I will articulate clearly your word and that I will uh, articulate clearly your vision and your mission and that, Lord, uh, my very finite, finite brain uh, won't mess this up and uh, that everyone in this room today will truly sense what you have to say to them personally and where you're moving within this church. In your name I pray, amen. So we're going to jump in uh, to Luke chapter, uh, chapter five, 5, verse 17. And uh, we're just going to jump into the story, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Verse 17, it says, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And so we have this kind of setting where Jesus was sitting in a house. You go to the uh, kind of the account of the, uh, this story in Mark chapter 2. And what I love about the Gospels is you get to see uh, the same story in multiple different ways. It doesn't change the essence of the story. It's just different authors who are approaching these stories from a different perspective. And so what Mark writes is he talks about that the crowd... The crowd was so big that the house was completely packed and the crowd was spilling out through the door and it was kind of surrounded the entire house. Why? Because they wanted to hear Jesus teach. So Jesus was sitting there teaching and this crowd of people from all around the region had come to hear Jesus. Uh, Who was in the crowd? All different types of people. I mean, Luke talks about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Those are the theologians, the church people, the religious people. And actually, uh, uh, Jesus goes head to head with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law all the time. Because they were more worried about the letter of the law than the heart of God. I mean, Matthew 23, read about it. I mean, Jesus gets on his soapbox and he doesn't stop. You had Jesus' friends there. We're not sure uh, whose house he was teaching in, but what we do know is uh, he was in Capernaum, and that was kind of Jesus' kind of new hometown. 
He kind of uh, left Nazareth and said, okay, Capernaum is going to kind of be my, my, my stopping place, my home base. We know Peter and James and John and Matthew and a few others all lived in Capernaum, so it could have been one of their houses he was teaching in. So he had his friends there. But this crowd was made up of a bunch of people. All from different places of life. All gathered around to see this man named Jesus. Some of those people in the crowd probably had seen his miracles before. And they they knew what he could do. For some of them, they had heard his teaching before. And they were inspired by his teaching. For many of them, they had, had heard rumors about him touching someone. And they could now see touching someone. And they were healed from leprosy. Speaking a word and they could walk. They, they heard these stories and they came to, to see. Is that true? The crowd was filled with critics. No matter what Jesus was going to do that day, they were going to criticize because they couldn't allow themselves to believe. Yet people filled with doubt, going, well, I've heard these rumors, but there's no way. Yeah, I understand he, he healed a leper, but it was just a sleight of hand trick. Somehow he attached a finger back onto the leper. Like, there's magic to it. He had people there with an expectation that maybe they could get healed. Just Maybe. Very similar to us here at Renaissance. That's why I love this church. Every one of you at a different place in your spiritual journey trying to figure it out. Some of you uh, have been following Christ for more years than you can remember. For some of you, you still don't, you, you're still not sure about him. And every time I say Jesus, you're kind of like, really? God? Like, he's God? Really? For some of you, you were dragged up in here. I mean, dragged. And that was a long way to drag someone. (laughs) And you're sitting there going, man, if I could get out of here right now, I would, but I can't because the guy on stage would see me. (laughs) And we're all somewhere there, filled with doubt, taking a few steps forward in our spiritual walk and then a few steps backwards, faith being challenged, questioning faith, sitting there like a critic, all together in one space. And that's what you have in this house. And then verse 18, it says, Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. So we we get to this, uh, quickly to this moment in the story where we have this group of friends who are carrying a friend who's paralyzed. Now, we're not sure uh, anything about this paralyzed man. We don't know why he was paralyzed. We don't know if it was a work accident. He was up on a roof and he fell off a roof. We don't know if he was a camel jockey and he got bucked off a camel during a race. I don't even know if they had camel races still. I need to really research that. I don't know if he was born that way, a childhood accident. doesn't matter, does it? He was paralyzed, couldn't walk. And we don't know much about this group of his friends. This group of men, family members, best friends, work associates. But they had one goal. 
they want to get him to the feet of Jesus. Because they believed that Jesus could change this one man's life. That Jesus had the power to change his life. Now, I'm not sure if they had witnessed Jesus perform miracles before, or they just heard rumors of it. Either way, they truly believed that if they got their friend to Jesus, Jesus could change his life. But they encountered a pretty massive obstacle. Verse 19. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, it's so easy as we read through the Bible to just fly through verses. Like verse 18 and 19, it would take you literally about nine seconds. I didn't time it, but approximate nine seconds to read those two verses. Blah, 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 men, Matt, climbed up, lowered him down. But think about what's going on in that moment. What about the moment as they came up to the, the front door of the house and they had this man, they're carrying this man on a mat? Right? Don't you think they try to get through the front door first? Like Plan B was the roof thing, but plan A was, hey, we could go through the front door to Jesus. And they encountered this crowd that wouldn't let them in. Don't you think they tried to get in? Don't you say, hey, hey, he's paralyzed, and that's Jesus, and he can heal him. Can, can we get in? And the crowd wouldn't let them in. Think about that moment. I mean, if that house was located, like, in Texas, they'd been like, oh, yeah, come on in. Here's biscuits. <laughs> but it wasn't in the south. It was in the northeast. Uh-uh. I got here first. If you really want to get healed, you got up early. I don't care if you can't walk, crawl yourself in. That was the crowd. They weren't moving. Could you imagine that moment? They're like, oh, hey, uh, really? Uh Uh-uh, sorry. They pull back. They're like, we got to get him to Jesus. Jesus can change his life. And so they started working out a plan. It was very common uh, in those days for these kind of small Palestinian homes, or basically one room, to have a staircase on the outside of the house that would lead up to a flat roof. And so they're like, hey, what if we carried them up to the, to the top of the roof? And what if we, like, like made a hole and lowered them down? Like, we could get them to Jesus that way. But how complex was that? I mean, they didn't have Home Depot down the road. I don't think duct tape was invented then. Like, they had a, okay, we got to get some type of rope, and we got to make sure it's sturdy enough because, man, it would be horrible if we dropped the paralyzed man. Like, he's had a hard life. Like, we can't drop him. That's horrible. So they went and got supplies, and they somehow tied it onto the mat, and they figured out a way that they wouldn't drop, drop him. They'd carry him up on top of the roof. And then they had to get through the roof. And Mark, it says that they, they dug with their fingers through the mud. So they removed the tiles, and they started to, to make a hole. Now, how big a hole do you need to lower a grown man through a roof? Like, it's not this little peephole. Hey, down there, Jesus. Like, massive hole. I mean, what do you think was going on inside the house? I mean, Jesus is teaching all the religious elite on the front row, and all of a sudden, like, chunks of clay start <laughs> dropping down. I think about the homeowner. 
wow, I always wanted a skylight, but like, like, really? And they made that big of a hole and lowered him down and set him in front of Jesus. Think about this moment. This group of friends so committed to their one friend. And think about the obstacles they had to go through just to get their friend to Jesus. It's why Renaissance Church started. I go back to the story a lot because it's so important for us never to lose the vision and mission that's hardwired into this church. It's a group of people so committed to their friends, their neighbors, their family members, their work associates, work associates. They're so committed to them. And they looked around and said, man, there's not a church in this area I'd invite a friend to. And that's nothing. I know like sometimes I say that and people are like, oh, there's good churches in this area. You're right. Is there a church like Renaissance? There's a reason you're here. I mean, some of you are still trying to figure out why you are. But there's something. I mean, what church in this area is doing Katy Perry? And that's the first song if, for the five of you that were here. That was the first song. Um, and it was awesome. We all get that Renaissance is very unique. I don't know how many times people have said to me, man, it's, church is fun here. I'm like, absolutely, church should be fun. should be. It should connect right where uh, we are spiritually. So this church started focused on the one, inviting the one. The one caring enough for the one. And as I share some thoughts today, I want to be crystal clear on this because this is very important. Again, for some of you, if this is your first time here or you've been coming to Renaissance just a short time and you're still trying to figure out this God, church thing, Jesus thing, all this, we're going to talk a lot of some church stuff, but I hope you know that this is the most important piece of everything I say today. And if you've been here forever, I hope you know that this is the most important thing I say today. Jesus died for everyone. He walked on this earth. He was crucified. He conquered death for everyone. For all people to know him. For all people to experience his love and his grace. For all people to spend eternity with him. The bar for Jesus is everyone. The bar for us as a church should be everyone. And sometimes I hear this, this kind of talk about the size of a church. I'm like, whoa, whoa, time out. Last time I checked, Jesus died for everyone. His goal right now before he returns is for all to know him. For all to have a relationship with him. And all equals billions of people. Billions. Whatever the number is now. But the other thing I know about Jesus, he was hyper focused on the one. The one. Look at his life. 
That's why I challenge people, get to know Jesus more. Just get to know him. Look who he spent time with. Look who he sat down and had conversations with. And in those conversations, what did he say to them? You see, Jesus understands that to reach everyone, you focus on the one. And that's been the mission and the vision of Renaissance. I mean, some of you, you remember 20 people. Some of you remember when Renaissance was 80 people. Some of you remember when Renaissance moved to the opera house. You're like, oh, this space, wow. Some of you remember when you went from one service to two service and you started having this feeling like, well, I, I, I don't know everyone. And man, I came to the early service, but that person came to the second service and I haven't seen you for months. And now we're three services packed in here. Easter. I had one of the most amazing moments and one of the most overwhelming moments at the same time. You see, some of you remember the uh, Finding Faith in Rock and Roll series, Beatles edition. We did back in the fall. And uh, the creative team came up with these awesome invite cards, the coolest invite cards I've ever seen. They're like, literally like, the, look like the replica of the, the concert they did back in, I don't know when it was, back in the 60s or whenever, uh, in New York City. And uh, awesome invite cards. And everyone's like, hey, Chris, if we give out, you know, three, four hundred of them, that, that'll be great for Renaissance. I'm like, awesome, that'd be great. So we ordered 500, and we gave out almost all 500 of those invites. Meaning you took them, and now we understand that some got slipped in pockets, and those, those pants went into the washing machine. Like, we get that happens. Or they end up in the floorboard of your car. But they still left the building. And we're like, that's awesome. Invite cards got out. So we came to Easter, and uh, people were like, well, you know, how many do we uh, order? How many should we? We don't want to, you know, waste money, but we want to get invite, you know, cool invites into your hands so you can invite your friends and your neighbors and your work associates and all those people you're connected to. So we ordered 1,500. 500 Beatles here, 1,500 for Easter, and all of them left this building. At this moment, the week before Easter, where I'm, I'm praying to God. I'm like, God, people are inviting their friends, and I just pray that those conversations happen. I pray that, you know, hearts are open. I pray for all this. Like, this is awesome. But I had this intense uh, conflict raging through my, my spirit. I'm like, but God, I want you to move in such a mighty way. Kind of. I want people to come, kind of. Because I had this feeling like, what if someone showed up to Renaissance for the very first time and we had to look at them and say, there's no room for you. Now, we had a, we had a great plan. My staff did awesome. We bought Starbucks card, and we had this little script, and we knew what we were going to say to people. Have a cup of coffee on us. Sorry, come back for the next service. Like, we were doing everything on the customer service front we could, but like, could you imagine if you invited a friend, and after years of them not wanting to come to church or having a horrible church experience, and they finally said yes, and you got here, and we had to say to you, I'm sorry, there's no room. 
And I found myself just sitting there saying, God, move, but. God, I want you to show up, but. And then I started thinking about the obstacles here at the opera house. If you're new here, you're going to get all of these because you're living in this moment right now. But if you've been here more than a year, I want you to think back for the first time you came to the opera house, the first time you experienced this location. Because if you've been here longer than a year, you're going to have to go back and really think about it. Because I start thinking through the obstacles for this place, for someone coming to, to experience Renaissance for the very first time. Have you noticed we have stairs here at the Opera House. I mean, I mean, not just stairs. I mean, we have overachieved in the area of stairs here at the Opera House. Like, set the bar high. And think about this. Like, most churches, you can pull into the parking lot for the first time and maybe kind of drive around the church building a little bit. You can even park and kind of walk in the front doors and just kind of peer into the main room and go, okay, it, is this safe in there? Are they weird in there? Like, here, you're committed. <laughs> you get to the top floor and it's like, ah. And the other thing we have going against us, is, especially in this area, I mean, most of the churches have the word Catholic in it or Episcopal in it or Presbyterian in it. Like, we don't have those words in our name. It's just Renaissance Church. And for people that don't know anything about us, I mean, they're wondering what goes on in that church. Like, like, is there animal sacrifices going on in there? <laughs> no, that's next month. We start those. <laughs> I'm joking, by the way. You're like, really? Animals? No. Like, people just don't know what to do with us, especially in this area with all these denomination churches. And so by the time they get to the third floor, you're committed. And then you think about the third floor. And if you're elderly, I mean, if you, you've broken a, a leg before, I mean, it's a, that's not really rich, by the way. <laughs> uh, I didn't say that last hour, but that's funny right there. <laughs> but it's a journey, isn't it? I mean, Almost every week, I talk to someone who just goes, man, it was tough to get up those stairs. My dad was here over Christmas, and uh, over the last year, he had uh, both knees replaced. And uh, he was doing good, but it was a journey up those stairs. And it's such a hard thing. Uh, Believe you me, we've talked with the city. The building can't handle an elevator. It might collapse. (laughs) I'm like, is it safe up here? We've tried, but think about it. I mean, that's another obstacle. And once you finally make your way into this room, you make your way in here, to find a seat, there's a church um, percentage number. It's just one of those uh, kind of guiding values for all churches across America. It's a very similar number to... uh, when any company goes, uh, they want to build a mall or they want to uh, build a stadium or a theme park, music park, whatever it might be. There's a formula they use 
for uh, the capacity or the scale of that project compared to how many parking spots they need, right? It's just industry, industry standard. If you have a, a, a 50,000 seat uh, arena, you're gonna need X amount of parking spaces. If your mall is you know, uh, X square feet, you're gonna need that many parking spaces. It's just standard. They put in the formula, they figure it out. In the church world, there's a, a similar formula. And this is what the formula says. Once you hit 80% capacity at your optimal service time, you stop growing, period. Why People aren't going to fight to go to church. It's just one of those things. The optimal service time is between 10 and 11 o'clock. It could sit at 10 a.m. It could be 10.15. It could be 10.22 doesn't matter when. Between 10 and 11 is your optimal service time across the country. It doesn't change. At Renaissance here, we've been tracking all of our attendance. And for the past four to five months, we've been sitting at this service here, 85, 86, 87, 88%. It's pegged. Beyond that, if you ever walked into this room three or four minutes late, which is most of you, most of you are like, Katy Perry? When, when did that song happen? It was awesome. You walk in this room, everyone's standing up. How difficult is it to find a seat? And can, can you imagine if you're walking in here for the very first time, what that experience is like? And some of you right now, you're clicking through because that was today, or that was last week, or that was Easter Sunday. For some of you, you're like, oh, that's not a big deal because you know everyone. You're comfortable. You've been coming for years. Plus, if someone's sitting in your seat, you you just ask them to move. (laughs) I hope you don't do that. It's my seat. You know another obstacle? Have you noticed? I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, We have two restrooms on this floor. Have you noticed that? We have two restrooms for a whole lot of people. Like, I have to plan every Sunday because I, I consume gallons of coffee. Gallons of coffee. So I get done preaching. I talk with people, talk with people, talk pe- with people. And I know that right when the next service starts, I have this two-minute window to run to the bathroom because no one's in there. So if I'm talking to you, I'm just telling you, when I say I have to go, you think I have to go get ready to preach? No, I have to go. So I dart in. So every weekend, I have this plan to go to the bathroom so I can get there. And then if you haven't noticed this, which all of you have, to get out of this building through one door. I mean, this service, every Sunday I sit there. I ask Charlie. Every Sunday I look at Charlie, I'm like, look at that line. Look at the line. I mean, just all of you, especially this service, but all the services, just slowly making your way through our one door. You think about all these things together. I mean, you think about all these things together. You think about the stairs. And you think about the doors. And you think about the seats. And you think about, right? You know what this screams to people? We're full and don't come. You 
You think about the work. So for months, we've been rustling through all of this. For months, we've had amazing minds at the table trying to figure this out. What does this mean for Renaissance Church? Because again, we're hyper-focused on the one. But you know what? My goal is, for this area, is we connect everyone to Jesus. Why? Because that's Jesus' goal. That's why he lived and died. And we as a church should have that vision. That we have the chance, the possibility to reach everyone in this area. And we're going to do that by focusing on the one. And loving the one and caring for the one and building relationships with the one. I was on the phone with someone this week and uh, she's... Uh, a lot smarter than me, which is not a difficult thing to uh, <laughs> pass me by in. But she said this, as we were talking through some of these issues and uh, how to approach some of these issues, and just in normal conversations, th- this kind of phrase came out of her mouth, and I stopped her and said, ah, oh, that's awesome. Uh, say that again. So I typed it down. Then I said to her, I'm going to steal that and give credit to myself. <laughs> but she, this came out of her mouth. She goes, we're waiting for God to move while actively pursuing every strategic possibility. We never want to get ahead of God, but we want to stay one very small step right behind him. And we're pushing on every door. We're we're exploring every option, what that means for us here. We're doing everything we can. And you, you... You guys get this area. It's not like there's 20 acres of grass sitting open begging for us to move on there for free. And so we have great minds all working together to try to figure this out. And uh, the plan's coming together, and it's going to be a messy plan. It's going to be a very fluid plan, but it's a plan focused on the everyone. It's a plan focused on connecting people and removing as many obstacles as possible so that everyone has a chance to connect with Jesus. It's the heart of the church. It's what we all should be about. So on June 3rd, um, we're going to just share the working plan. And, uh, it's a very fluid plan uh, because we're not sure what doors God's going to open. So we're kind of going, okay, God, we're, we're faith, you, we're smart people. Well, except for me, but smart people. And uh, but we're, we're, we're focused on your mission for the church. We're focused on what you want to accomplish with the church. And we're going to follow you, God, where you lead and how this looks. So you might be wondering, uh, how does the story end? Uh, you need to read it. It's, it's, uh, it's a... They lower him down. And Jesus looks up and then looks at this, this man and he goes, because of your friend's faith, your friend's faith, and he looks at this paralyzed man, he goes, your sins are forgiven. 
Your sins are forgiven. It wasn't a salvation moment. He just forgave his sins because his friend's faith, which is, man, that's, that's an awesome picture in of itself. And then the, the religious people started grumbling and complaining, saying, oh, Jesus, you can't say that. You can't do that. And I can just imagine Jesus sitting there in that moment going, wait, wait a minute. There's a paralyzed man in front of me. And you're more concerned with my words and helping this man. You're more concerned with parsing my speech than with this man. And Jesus just simply said, oh, I can forgive sins because I am God. But hey, while I'm at it, pick up your mat and walk. And the guy got up and walked. I'm going to ask you to pray for three things. And when I mean pray, I'm really asking you to pray. Because the obstacles in our way are mighty. They're God-sized. And there's not a night I don't lay my head on the pillow going, okay, God, this, this is in your hands because it's beyond all of us. But what I know is what you have done through Renaissance Church already and the light that's being cast off of Renaissance Church to illuminate this area and the life change already happening in countless people's lives, God, your plan is bigger than all of us. So I ask, you pray for the everyone. Continue to pray for that family member, that friend, that work associate, that golf buddy, that, that one. Be praying. Second thing I ask you to pray for is, is honestly kind of our space limitations and our obstacles around that. And uh, countless hours are going in to, to coming up with a workable plan so that we can continue to reach the everyone. And I just ask you to pray that God will open amazing doors. And lastly, I, I pray, um, I ask you to pray for your part, how you can continue to be part of this movement of Renaissance Church and how you can continue to join us with us in reaching people, connecting people to the life-changing relationship of Jesus. Pray. Because right now we're in that season where we know God's going to move and we're actively pursuing all options. But we want to make sure that we follow in God's footprint, in his path, not our own, but our feet line up with his feet.